It's a lovely sunny morning at St Mary's Church in Prestwich and I'm joined by Bill. Bill is leader of the uh, Graveyard Churchyard Action Volunteers. We've been going about 12 or 14 years and when we started we were going to pass it all over to uh, the church after 12 months and we cleared the lot and we're still here because we didn't pass it over to the church. So welcome Edward and I'll ask you how long has this church been here? Yeah Bill, Bill I've instructed Bill to talk to me like I'm an eight-year-old boy and it's good being an eight-year-old boy actually because I'm full of curiosity. Why would you spend time in a graveyard? When we started it was completely overgrown with the brambles and all the weeds up to three, four, five foot high. The plan was when we cleared it, and we used to have 50, 60 volunteers to start off with, we could pass it over to the church. And people used to come down, like I said, 40, 50, 60, because it was exciting covering over and discovering what was under all this undergrowth. And like I said, we found lots of things that we didn't know about. After that, it came boring maintenance, and we didn't manage to pass it over to the church, and we're still here 12 or 14 years later. But can I welcome you to um, St Mary's Church? This parish used to go all the way to Oldham. Right. Oh, you're going to welcome me? Oh, does that mean that you're going to have tea and cakes afterwards? Only if he's good. If he's not good, he's... he won't even get his sugar in his tea. Right, Edward. Why are all these M's on the, on the flagstones? I was looking at it the other way round. I thought they were W's and maybe I thought you'd laid claim to them because your name is William, of course. They're actually M for Mary, but they're to vandalise the stones because on two separate occasions they've been dug up and taken away. So to, to prevent people from doing this or to put them off, we've vandalised them by putting M's. We're on the way to the, the Thomas Collier grave, 1641, the oldest grave in the churchyard. There are probably all the graves inside the church, but this is the oldest grave in the churchyard. I get worried at this point because I know that Bill is going to ask me to try and read some of the some of the words, but I'm not very good at reading words that have been there for I don't know for 400 years. In fact, I'm not very good at sums either. 1640, 1640. One, right, okay, so what are the words then? Bill, you'll have to help me here. We are something, uh, bodies, something... Of the children of... It, it says, here lieth, here lieth the bodies of the children of Thomas Collier. And the children were, and I'll have to look over, Thomas, Richard, Martha, and I've missed one out. If you look at some of these graves, you can see a lot of infant mortality, a lot of children that have died. Um, you always associate graveyards with your grandparents. What's the case there with this graveyard? These four children were buried between the 1st and the 12th of December, 1641. Now, if any listener could help, rumour has it that Thomas Collier was the landlord of the church inn. If anybody's got any documented proof of this, I'd love to see it, because it's only a rumour. It's Thomas Collier, the landlord of the church inn. Just over there, there is a very interesting tomb belonging to Mary Diggle. What's special about it? And you can't tell from here, so I'll probably have to tell you, but have a guess. It's that table tomb over there by that tree. We can't get to it today. Apart from the fact that it looks like a 
a little table made of made of masonry. It's quite unusual in that respect. Uh, maybe she's been buried upside down or something. It's a slab with the, all the details on on four on six stone pillars. But the thing unusual about it is the person who carved it all was a lady stonemason. And in the 1800s, lady stonemasons were very few and far between. So that's what's special about it. If we stop now, we're looking at the, um, what would you call that? Sundial. That was placed here in 1801, but it was previously somewhere else. It's older than that. And opposite where we stood now is the main entrance in the 1800s. People used to come in the south door, up this path, and they'd walk from very new road, which was the old Roman road, and come into the church this way. The entrance we use these days is a much more newer entrance to the church, and that's on the other side, on the north side. Shall we stop here? Right, Edward, what do you think that mark is up on the church wall, that black square? Um, oh, what do I think that black square is? I don't know, maybe there's a problem with, with damp. Up to about 15 years ago, there was a sundial on there from the 1700s, but somebody got a ladder and uh, took it off the wall and nicked it. So if anybody's got a 1700-odd sundial that's off St Mary's churchyard wall, uh, we'd like it back, please. And what about the various... There are one or two holes there. They're not bullet holes, are they? No, no. They probably could be masonry rocks or just defects in the stone. But this tower you're looking at is in the 1700s, either 16 or 1700s. It's the oldest part of the church. Right, I know we're working towards my favourite uh, grave, and it's the one that you walked over the brow of the hill there to, and it's William Sturgeon, isn't it? As William Sturgeon, the electrician, we didn't know about it at all. I don't, it had been in the church since the 1850s. But Adam Hart Davis, I don't know if any of your listeners remember him, he did a programme on BBC called Local Heroes about 20 years ago. And watching the programme, I worked out where he was standing and walked over and had a look around at the area and found the grave of William Sturgeon, the electrician. Um, William Sturgeon was probably the first um, inventors of the uh, electric motor and uh, he invented the commutator and various other things things that actually enable me to listen through headphones and to travel about in this electric power chair so he was playing around with technology uh, and he came up with ideas that uh, he, he didn't actually make any money from he, he died a pauper didn't he bill he unfortunately he did he fell he f he fell out with faraday and as a result, um, Faraday prospered and he became a pauper and he was buried in his, our churchyard and the man who paid for it was a man called Edward William Binney and he made his money from shale oil and he also looked after the grave of the artisan's naturalist, the naturalist, there's a group of those later on which I'll show Edward and uh, he paid for one of those as well. Sturgeon himself, yeah, ended up very poor. In contrast, very near um, Sturgeon's grave is the, is the grave of William Furburn. Sir William Furburn. I'm going to ask Edward, how many people turned up for his funeral? He died in London. He, he was by then um, a lord. Uh, and they must have brought up his coffin on the train. And then they brought the coffin from 
presumably the, the station in Manchester up to up to our churchyard. Edward, how many people do you think line the line the route between here and the station? I don't know. Um, um, maybe 20, 30? Records show there was 50,000 people line the, the, the route from, from the station to here. But there's a, there was a very interesting write-up of the seven coaches with lords and ladies and dukes and mayors and everything who, came, who followed the coffin all up to the, um, to the churchyard for the burial. There's a man called John Slag. And I'm, I'm reading this. He's got a Victorian Gothic chest and he was buried in 1875. And what's special about this, this grave, it's, um, it's designed by Alfred Waterhouse, who also designed, over to you, Edward, what did... Oh, uh, he designed the Natural History Museum. Uh, he designed Liverpool Royal Infirmary before it was knocked down. Um, various other famous buildings. And Manchester Town Hall. And Manchester Town Hall, of course, yeah, I missed that one out. So you're telling us about Mr Slag, who had, who had a Gothic chest. Hopefully you're referring to not his chest, but the chest that he found himself buried in. The book says a Victorian Gothic chest tomb. I'm quoting the book. <laughs> Bill, Bill is clutching a piece of paper, actually, and we're trying to get him away from his bit of paper. He knows his stuff anyway. We're not going to worry. Could I correct, Edward? This is not a piece of paper. This is a Christmas card. We're into recycling at St Mary's. Further over that you can't just see are the three graves of the artisans naturalists. These were three plant collectors in about 1850, 1820, 1870 area. One was a handloom weaver and the other was a shoemaker. And the advantage of this was they were self-employed, which meant that on a good day, they could say, we're not doing any work today, we'll walk over to somewhere like the other side of Altrincham and have a look at the plants there and see what we can find. And they were all self-taught. We assume that because they weren't working, their poor family were very hard up and probably, I don't know whether they missed any meals or not, but if you weren't working and you were going looking for plants at the other side of Altrigum, what your wife did for money and your children, I don't know, but uh, it must have been a hard life for the family. It strikes me that shoemakers were finding a bit of uh, leisure time, a bit of time to experiment because William Sturgeon was also a shoemaker, wasn't he? Yes, he started off as a shoemaker before he joined the, the military. What's the significance of this particular gravestone, Bill? Edward's been very silly. He's parked on top of the River Jordan and he doesn't realise he's going to get his feet wet if he doesn't move quickly. Shall I explain? This is where River Jordan is buried and he, his father was also called River Jordan. And we get the children to stand here and ask them all about the River Jordan and explain they'll get the feet wet if they stand here much longer. It's quite an unusual name to give someone, isn't it, the River Jordan, but um, I'm sure he, he gave a lot of blessings in his time. Right, Bill is pointing in the direction of this uh, gravestone on the, towards the housing over there on the brow of the hill, and there seems to be a, a new gravestone. Uh, can you tell me something about that, Bill? In about ten years ago, we collected money and we, um, we put a monument up to commemorate the 5,500 people who were buried in unmarked graves. And these people had died in what was Presswich Asylum. It's now called Presswich Hospital. But they're 
buried in this churchyard, spread in various places, and five and a half thousand people are buried in unmarked graves, and this was to commemorate them being buried there. And the last one was in about the 1960s. It carried on for a long, long time, burying them in unmarked graves. And behind them, there's 12 graves of war graves. These are all people who were buried after the end of the First World War, but they died, and we think of influenza after the First World War, and they were invalided out of the war, and they were in Poorfield Hospital, and that's where they died of the wounds. Just talking about war graves, there's, um, there's 46 official war graves in this churchyard. We maintain them on behalf of the uh, Commonwealth War Graves Commission, and there's probably another 50 graves, family war graves, whose bodies are not down there, but they're deaths are remembered on the inscriptions. And there were quite a lot of people, young men, that died in the First World War and Second World War that were from a local regiment, is that right? Th there are some. There are, most of the people who died in local regiments, especially in the First World War, were buried in France. There's a, a seaman, an airman and that, and they must have, um, their bodies must have come back to Presswich, that's why they're buried there. There's a, in the Second World War, there's quite a lot of Canadians, again, flyers who must have crashed round here uh, and bodies were b buried in our churchyard and not in Canada. So sometimes we do get people from Canada coming and having a look at these war graves, but it's a few years since the last person came round and had a look. It strikes me that I could come away from walking and doing this tour with you, Bill, uh, with, a, with a much stronger idea about social history and uh, actually the graves are simply the full stop on a very uh, interesting life that that people had or perhaps the short life that some of them had so we've had a tour around the whole graveyard this morning yeah. and um, I think um, Bill has told us with with great detail and with the help of his Christmas card as well the high spots of, of the graveyard and I think it gives you a sort of a wish to find out more about perhaps some of the other graves that we don't actually know about and need more research about. And if you don't want to do research we've got 2,000 bulbs to plant and we're here every Tuesday morning. <laughs> Disguise.org, bringing memories to life in Prestwich and Whitefield. <laughs>